0: The following podcast is completely fictional all of the characters even those based on real people are fictional they are just impressions by a weird dude talking to himself for your enjoyment
1: hola bra amigos how you doing everybody this is above the dave welcome to the lot scene podcast today's episode i'm going to talk all about two disco biscuit shows from the year 2000, two shows that I consider to be two of the most important shows in their entire catalog. And I want to go into why I find these shows to be so amazing and so important. After that, we are getting a visit from one of our favorites here at the Lot Scene Podcast. His name is Ice Cold Larry. He's part of the Nitrous Mafia, and he is popping in to tell us what he's been up to. After that, we are getting another performance from Cobalt Blue, our Lot Scene Podcast house band. They are a British punk Disco Biscuits cover band, and they are going to be performing a version of the song Concrete. And finally, we are gonna be speaking with an up and coming hot jam band right now. Their name is Dogs in a Pile, and we're gonna get into it with them. So slap on your Tevas and have a quesadilla. It's the (laughs) Lutzi. certain bands, you get blessed with maybe getting a chance to be at shows that are eventually considered to be legendary shows. Uh, I do feel like I've been to a handful of Disco Biscuit shows that are legendary. Fish, I feel like I struck gold early on. My second show was uh, 123097 at MSG, which is considered a legendary show. I don't know if I really hit a ton of classic Fish shows I've listened more to shows that I was not at than shows I was at. With the Disco Biscuits, I think because I caught them earlier on in their development, I got to see what are now considered more legendary shows, and I'm very thankful for that. And no shows are more important, in my opinion, than the two shows that I saw that were my second and third show, which were in the year 2000. And so what I would like to do is kind of just give a little perspective for people who were not fans at that time and maybe if you were then we can take a little trip back in time so just to kind of paint the picture we've talked about the importance of the year 1999 a few times and it is it's when the biscuits uh, got on the map and there's some there's so many great shows and great jams but if you weren't aware the disco biscuits actually broke up after that new year's run in 99 they split mark brownstein left the band I'm not sure if it was a quit or fire situation, but, uh, he then dipped to Maui where he did some deep thought and, and a ton of writing. Barber, Magner, and Sammy created the Triscuits and performed a few shows around the East Coast as the Triscuits with some guests popping in. Uh, I think at one point even Brownie popped in as a guest, but, uh, Barber was also writing incredible music. I was unaware of this as a fan. All I knew was that the band that I was now obsessed with broke up. And this is the year 2000. This is not like easy access to every soundboard the day after the performance. I went months not really knowing much. I heard about the Triskets. I don't even know if I got a chance to listen to any of their stuff. I knew that there was this Maui project thing that Brownstein formed when he came back from Maui, which was his side project, debuting all of his music. I didn't hear any of this. All I knew was that the Disco Biscuits were over, I was crushed, and I I honestly thought it would just be like any other situation where they would probably either dissolve or get a new bass player. And what ended up happening, to everyone's delight, was that they got back together. Thank God. So that was great news, and then they start hitting the road again in the fall of 2000, which is a great run of shows. I don't think I got to hear any of Fall 2000. By the time my friends and I decided to go out to Pennsylvania and see a bunch of shows, I, I think it was, it was college, sophomore year for us, it was the holiday break, and we were all hanging around in Connecticut, and a few of us were Disco Biscuit fans, so we went out and, and got a hotel and went to the silo for two nights. None of us knew what to expect from this band. One of our friends, Pat, these were his first two shows, and he went on to be absolutely obsessed with the Disco Biscuits, seeing them, like, I don't even know, like 50 times in the next two years. But for a few of us, we already had seen them maybe once, maybe twice in 99. And I listened compulsively to 1999, and we were not prepared. We were not prepared for... With the disco biscuits had in store for us for these two nights specifically 1228 1228 is what makes this run extra extraordinary 1227 however is a fantastic show but to explain to you why these shows feel so important it's a few factors One is that while the Disco Biscuits in 1999 toured very heavily and did some really incredibly unique and very long jams, listening back to 1999, you're going to hear a lot of just kind of a band that, to be honest, just kind of sits in a, a repetitive noodling type existence where they, for the most part, will have a song and then go into a jam section. And then, except for a few songs like... Basis and waves, which they really locked down how those jams kind of peak, a lot of them kind of the jams just kind of slammed into the next song or slammed into the end of that song that they were jamming. It wasn't a cohesive thing. And, and Brownstein didn't fully understand his place in this you had these two juggernauts of barber and magner who are both prodigy level musicians and brownstein is not but he shouldn't be you can't have that many notes happening at the same time so he knew that his role would have to be a simple one but i don't think he understood how important and how he was the driving factor for shifting from one section of a jam into a chord progression of another jam. And, you know, it just wasn't a figured out thing in 99. It was just it wasn't except for a few songs. Like I said, they knew that when they kicked in that chord progression of a bassist peak or or waves, they knew what to do. But for a lot of it, they didn't. These weren't things that we were thinking of as fans because we didn't know how far that they would take it. Well, fall of 2000 with the tension that probably happened with the breakup and maybe the clarity that was needed for Mark to come back to the band, not only with new material, but felt like with a new sense of purpose of how his bass was going to steer this band. He wasn't just going to be a guy doing some repetitive bass line in the background for the next 20 minutes of a jam. No, he had to be the guy who was moving this needle from point A to point B and beyond. And he had to figure out how to do that. And what we didn't know walking into the silo on twelve twenty 2000 was that our favorite band now had a new direction and it, and it was happening in fall 2000. If you listen to it, you can hear that Mark is starting to figure out, okay, we have a jam section and when we wanna make the shift to a certain song, I'm now shifting keys, but I'm also going to be kind of easing us in with bass lines that get us there. Basslines that we can now, that Barber can solo or Magnar can solo on top of, and everybody can, can collectively ride the progression of that next song. It's a little kind of complicated to explain if you're not a Disco Biscuits fan, but this is really a key moment because so many bands have now taken this formula and uh, are still, you know, jam bands that are starting today are still taking this formula, which really was Mark Brownstein figuring out how to work in this, to, like jamming totally without a net, jamming totally off from where you were in the last song, and you're in this basically essentially a type two space every single jam? This is new territory. And so. Now you have to figure out how do I steer this into the peak of the song we're at or or move into a different direction? And the tempo changes and the key chord changes. This took years to develop. And in 2000, it was starting to happen. And, and so 1227, more than anything, it's really a uh, really a beautiful night of uh, Disco Biscuit's rock music. It opens with an amazing pygmy twilight into a waves into a dance of the sugar plump. Fairies, which is now you know just that is a holiday staple for the Disco Biscuits. Then Svingali. This is my first time seeing that. I was blown away into a hot air balloon into Svingali. That section right there, unbelievable, unbelievable section. Definitely worth a listen. Mulberry's Dream opens the second set, uh, which is a great version. Then shimmy into Crater, which is which is beautiful. And then what I consider to be the meat really of twelve twenty seven is the unspoken rhyme into run like hell and back into shimmy the unspoken rhyme i've talked about it it was a song that i think still should be played but i understand it being a little trapped in time especially when you listen to the way that they jam this song but this but if you listen to the jam on unspoken rhyme it's probably this version that ultimately is why i'm a fan of this song because the jam into run like hell is just so great and then the jam into shimmy is also excellent and so it's unspoken rhyme into run like hell into shimmy into hot air balloon to close out the set and then barfly classic uh encore the thing that i think stuck out for us is that we walked back to the hotel faces melted being like this that was a great show but i knew that something felt different something felt like this band was much more cohesive than what I saw in 1999 this felt like everyone had a place and everyone was really listening to each other in a different way and that's going to continue into 2001 which I I think might be the greatest year in their history and really that formative year but to that the very end of 2000 is giving us hints of what is to come and how they are shedding the skin of what they were and moving it to something different. It's something dancier And it's going to be something that lays the foundation for all of their jamming styles really moving forward. It's not just going to be meandering through 25 minutes of just noodling and everybody playing a million notes. It's going to be something where we're going to build themes uh, and have thematic jamming so yes mark is the catalyst for and mark is the catalyst for this change and him figuring out how to move this band is is the key part but if you listen to these shows you're not going to take away mark brownstein as the standout parts this is especially uh, a two-night run that is showcases aaron magner and his just incredible ear uh, and also it does it's going to give a ton of choice barber licks and uh, epic peaks and shredding and it's also going to give you uh, Sammy in a whole new light and that he is going to be bringing also as we go forward into the next few years which is just a stomping thumping bass break beat drum and bass uh, influenced uh, style it's, it's no longer the 99 just him thumping four on the floor boop boop, 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 boop which he did for the first five minutes of many jams in 99 with a (inaudible) (inaudible) he just kind of sat there almost looking bored. Now it's (inaudible) whatever. So he's, he's mixing it up. He's more confident. Everybody's feeling good. Everybody's more confident. And then on top of that, we're getting these new songs that I was unaware of, um, like unspoken rhyme, which is a Magner song. And so let's talk about the standout show of the of the run which is 12 28 2000. I consider it one of the best shows I've ever been to period of any band. I'm actually in a in our studio and I have a few things that I put on the wall in my studio. One is a retired tour t-shirt from the Disco Biscuits. It is a a shirt that I got at the silo. It says uh, it's got the zero zero for 2000 and I bought this shirt at the silo after seeing the show at 1228 i only really buy t-shirts at a venue if i was absolutely blown away by that performance i've done it a few times for a few different bands it is really the the highest honor i can give as an audience member if i wait in line after the show to buy a t-shirt commemorating and, and memorializing that experience that i had with your band so I did it for this because I I was already such a huge fan. I wanted Disco Biscuits merch. I'm sure, but especially after what I saw at twelve twenty seven and twenty eight. So the silo, it actually starts with Barber taking the stage and says, uh, "Hey everybody, we prepared a bit of a wham bamboozler for you tonight." <laughs> That's how it opens. Wham bamboozler is what we have prepared for you tonight and that is an understatement. It begins with an insane overture and a just absolutely incredible once the fiddler paid just to get things going. And then we get a house dog party favor that you can hear a little bit of that old party favor. It hasn't been Fully, fully tweaked to its final form, and then it's jammed out, and then it goes into Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. So this is a theme for, throughout the show. They they return to Beethoven's Ninth Symphony uh, again in the second set, uh, which is not the first time they played it. Uh, essentially, they they go into some Beethoven biscuit style, which was kind of more. It's just like a, a pretty kind of interesting flex really I guess on the biscuits it was kind of like we're we're just going to kind of flex on you a little bit I don't know how accurately they nail the ninth sympathy or the second movement but here's the thing the jam from it into Bernstein and Chasnov is some of the most beautiful disco biscuits you will ever hear so I'm going to say right there the, the the house dog into Beethoven's Bernstein is absolutely gorgeous it's really truly some of the best stuff you you can call it blisco but i don't even think we're at this is even blisco this is like beyond that this is just really beautiful playing the interplay happening between magner and barber in the on these shows is top notch it really doesn't get much better honestly than this show so then the set closer is voices insane it is such a good voices insane the when you got this on disc this second disc was voices and then the second set was opener, Grass Is Green, followed by Crickets. Voices, Grass Is Green, Crickets. That disc two of this release, this is it. This is every, This is the disc that I wore down a million times. And just kind of give you some more perspective on the importance of these shows. When the Disco Biscuits decided that they would start releasing music from their archives. I don't know if you're aware of this. Uh, I think this was put on NUGS back when you could get like an MP3 or order the CD. And so I elected to have CD sent because, yeah, I got a CD player in my car. And uh, so the first two archive releases, from my understanding, how I remember this, was that the first two that they announced that they were going to release from their past were the two sh- silo shows, which I was like, whoa, I didn't know that the Disco Biscuits, the band, regarded these shows, out of all their shows they could have released, that they would release these two shows as the first two shows from their archives like here you go I thought that was such an high honor Uh, I thought that was such a cool move on their part like it made me it justified these shows even more to me when I saw that and I did I actually bought these shows on mp3 and I got them on CD. And then I know Nugs kind of developed over the years and then became a subscription thing. But I think I've bought these shows three different times over the years. Originally, when I could first get them on CD back in the year 2000, 2001, I got them on CD. And then with Nugs and the re-release of them, I got them again. I have spent Probably close to $100 just getting these shows over and over again through the last 20 years. I have listened to these shows probably more than any other shows. I do think that a lot of people may listen to shows that they've been at. More than shows they haven't been at. But something about this, no matter how many more shows I kept seeing in 2001, 2002, 2003, I always went back to these shows. And I still do. And it, and it always takes me back to how I felt when I saw The Silo, which was honestly was, was more influential, more impactful to me than when I first saw them the very first time. What I saw on 1228, Grass Is Green opener. Now, Grass Is Green, this was a song that this is a great example of how the Disco Biscuits uh, debut songs and then take months to years to tweak them to their final form. And I love that about Disco Biscuits. And if you are newer to them and you're seeing these newer songs come out, you're already seeing just in six months of their new songs coming out, the development of these songs. They like to put it out there and then work it out on stage and grass is green set to opener this is one of mark brownstein's brand new songs it is not in its final form but the grass is green of 1228 2000 is one of the best disco biscuits jams and it's uh, a thousand percent because of aaron magner the man honestly i don't understand how even he plays this many notes or this many different patches you have to hear it to believe it grass is green is maybe the the best part of this show, that second set opener. But not far behind it is that Crickets that follows it. It is so dark and it's so nasty. Truly, I mean, that one two right there is absolutely incredible. Crickets is super sinister. And, you know, I talked earlier this season about the idea that hearing new songs is difficult for us to process. Like, so many times we'll hear a song right and we hear it the first time and we're not feeling anything about it but over time we we grow to love it right well that's not always the case there are of course songs that i hear all the time that i love the first time i hear it any kind of song i know the first time i hear it i love this crickets is one of those songs i didn't know about crickets i didn't know about the triscuits and i didn't know that that barber had new songs and then i hear crickets and immediately first time hearing it at, at the silo i was like this is not only exactly what i want to hear but it is what i hope the disco biscuits keep doing and keep moving towards in this direction whatever this is and they do and that's why well, I'm, well, I'm talking about it still after that it's triumph which is first time played definitely not in its final form but pretty kick ass and still has that that triumph thing and then that goes into it slams uh, kind of abruptly uh into home first time played Uh, i don't know if home is ever played again but home again is uh but this may be the one only time you know one or two times it's ever been performed if you just listen to it you're just going to hear the blueprint for home again home goes into back into beethoven's ninth symphony second movement which i think it's really probably half biscuit jamming and half like you know a loose interpretation of this beethoven song i'm imagining i i from what i'm from listening to it so many times. And then Jigsaw Earth, it was the first time I got to see that song, is uh, not a standout of the show, but a solid finish. And then Smoothie King, which is a cool encore. So I can't say enough, and I don't know how many times I'm going to come back to this show in particular or this run, but I do think it is a very important period. The rest of this New Year's run is also great. I don't think it holds up as well as the silo shows but 2001 front to back might be the greatest year in disco biscuits history because they take what i saw this these nights they continue to tighten it up and they write new music that is in more into the direction of like a crickets or i think astronaut comes soon after this but really you know sometimes the best thing for a band is tension band members who feel like they need to prove something to each other i've heard barbara loosely kind of talking about how they used to fight a lot back back then always about direction and sound of the band and who's doing what who needs to do more of this and that and that just all of that pressure man it builds a diamond and they almost walked from it but then here we were seeing them a year later and Man, I remember seeing them a year after this in Saratoga, 9-7-2001 with a bunch of college friends who hadn't seen them, Uh, but they were playing right down the street from our college and they were just like, whoa, who is this band? There was so much changed between 99 and 2001. In the end of 2000, you got a little taste what was and what was about to be. And our eyeballs were popping out of our head and it was probably also that the ecstasy back then was fucking great but also (laughs) but but it really was like wait what's why does this feel so much more like tight and professional and like were those the two best concerts i've ever seen in my life i mean at that point i i thought they were i thought when i came home i said those were the probably the two best concerts i've ever seen from a band and when i look back on it i see it i see it clearly now that when you listen to 99 you're getting a You're getting a band that's darker than what you're used to and they're jamming out harder than you're used to from pretty much any other band and then you get to 2001 and now it's yeah we jam but we jam with purpose we're jamming with an idea and it's led really by mark if you're listening to the disco biscuits and you're a fan if you're good at calling the next disco biscuit song you're it's because you're listening to mark when you hear mark switch tempo switch key go into different progressions you can start narrowing down what song it is and then so you could be like all right he just shifted this keys and this pace. okay this sounds like it's gonna be ladies uh spoiler alert a lot of times it sounds like ladies it's a tricky one (laughs) but because ladies could be waves or you know i don't know there's different there's different chord progressions is it major key is it minor key all of these things weren't considered in 99 as much again he would know to switch into a happy Baseline when he was going into basis or a minor kind of key at a certain pace when he was going to waves again i keep using those examples there's probably a few more but ultimately it when you're listening to biscuits from 2001 and beyond to the biscuits that we know now it's because of the work that they did in that late 2000s and in 2001 and beyond they still had to they still got pretty minimal there in 2002 and 2003, and they needed to ramp it up. And and really, Magner needed to actually play more, and and then he did. And now they have this just moving unit of sound where they can just shift pace and shift key and totally shift the theme at any point. They just know each other so well that they can just play a little note, do a little something, and they all move. And that's just the beauty of of watching this band and and in seeing this concept develop. But in 2000 and 2001, was, this was just a, a vision and it was just coming to be. But it's really because there's this new understanding of people's roles, specifically Mark, but everyone's role as to what is needed to get us from the where the one song drops into that jam and that key to that song and really open up the floor so we can get there in a way where we can build actual themes in our music. No offense to some of the 99 jams but sometimes it gets a little repetitive in this like muddled minor key nowheresville. It is, and it, it just is. It gets it, there's a reason I napped to it all the time. It kind of just lulls you at points, a lot of points, and it does pay off with a lot of epic peaking, but it's not what we know today. And so I really do credit the silo shows as being a shift because I know that I've listened to a good amount of fall 2000 and I haven't found any other shows that really deliver like these two. Because again, they were just getting back together. They're just kind of working it out. They're busting out all these new songs. There's a lot of dark mark baseline stuff happening. A lot of echoey baseline. The brownie bombs were, were forming early on but it's the silo shows where they show how beautiful they can be and they show how cohesive they can be and it was a real glimpse into the amazing thing that they created from this point forward so i know i've talked way too long about all of this but i i really do feel very strongly about these shows and i wanted to express that which i'll do from time to time anyway that is more than enough of me talking about these shows Definitely give him a listen if you are not familiar, and let me know what you think about him. Moving on, I want to bring out a lot scene favorite. His name is Ice Cold Larry, and he is part of the Nitrous Mafia. We love having him come by the studio. So let's bring him out here. Everybody, it's Ice Cold Larry. Ice Cold Larry. What's new with you, my man? Oh, me? Oh, Nothing special. You know. My season, it's over. Your season? Yeah, I take a little break after dick. Oh, yeah, okay. I think I usually take September off and October I'm off mostly. I'll maybe hit Vegas, you know, with fish and biscuits are there. But it for me it's a time for me to focus on Larry. I'm not just a nitrous dealer, okay about the roof. I would never just label you as that. You you wanna you wanna balloon? Uh I'm good. Well I'll wait a little bit. Okay, yeah, you let me know. Yeah, I actually, I write poetry as well. Oh yeah? Poetry, huh? Yeah, why? Well, you, you, you don't believe me? You know, I, come on, fine. I'll, I'll read you some of my new poems I've been working on. Uh, yeah, I, I'd love that, Larry. Okay, hold on, let me Okay, Okay, here's one I, here I just wrote, okay. Roses are red, violets are blue. You make me feel like I'm sucking on a balloon. very nice larry yeah that's 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 really nice i like that one thank you thank you yeah here's another one okay okay to be or not to be that is the question not can i give you a deal (laughs) because that's a no okay that's a no it's gonna it's gonna be one for ten three for (laughs) twenty they ain't no deal Good stuff, Larry. Good stuff. I like this, man. I did not know you were a poet. This is uh, a whole new side of you. Really original stuff, too. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this one I wrote the other day. uh, Here we go. Not a day goes by, not a morning unfolds, in which my love remains untold. A mind may mold, and so be it told
0: that Larry's fatties are always,
1: always ice cold. Oh, dude, that's beautiful, man. Yeah, thanks. I, I get a little teared up when I read that one. Yeah, no, it's nice, no, man. I'm no Shakespeare, okay? <laughs> More like Shakes Down. <laughs> you said it. So has it been a good year for the Nitrous Mafia, would you say? I can't really talk about our inner dealings, of course. But I did mention to Morris, the God Fatty, about this show. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I told I told, I told the fatty all about it. He said he would talk to you. What he did? The God fatty? Yeah, yeah. He said he said he, he would. Holy shit, Larry! Hey, you guys need an ice cold fatty? I got a couple. I got a couple real fat cold ones for you. Huh? Okay, hold on. You there you go. Anybody else? Yeah, no. We can hit up the whole staff in a minute. All right. Okay. Ice cold. No deals the god fatty wants to talk to us. Does does he want anything in exchange? I mean, I can't believe he would just freely come on to our podcast. Well, naturally, you're going to have to kiss his ring when he walks in. Naturally. I mean, can we schedule this? Can I like have his number or? Oh, God, no, no. Email? Nope, no. I'll have to talk to some people and those people will talk to some people and... And those people will talk to the God and he will have those people find your people and tell you when. Sure, sure, okay. He's, he's not gonna like kill me or anything, right? Probably not, I don't know. I'm not, probably not. I mean, he, he, he once killed a guy uh, for popping a balloon. Shot him right dead at the tank. Oh shit. Yeah, one time a guy came to a fish show with a tank for his friend. The God saw that as a threat. And he held the entire crew at gunpoint for hours, making them sell their own tank, no deals neither. That's, uh, that's pretty ruthless. And then he ended up shooting a dude. Oh, Jesus. And then, and then he had his entire family killed. What? Yeah, including his dog. Oh my god. Wait, no. He put the, he, he didn't kill the dog, I forgot, no, he put the dog to work in the lot. Oh, oh, okay, so the, the dog's alive? No, a month later, he caught the dog stuffing some bills in his pocket and had him killed. Damn. Nitrous mafia life, man. That shit's cold, dude. Yeah, ice cold, baby. Ice cold. Ice cold. Morris, don't play. If he makes you a main man, it's for life. No outs. You ever, uh, you ever think about getting out? Me? Nah. This is a life for me, ATD oh yeah nitrous it's real it's social that's what i like about it I, see i'm a people person above the day you know sometimes we get along and sometimes i crack your fucking skull <laughs> but you know we you would probably act enough and deserved it so fair enough anyways i'm a people person i get that i think you are i just like being out there with the people plus the chicks oh yeah oh yeah baby the chicks love up mafia do chicks get deals no no you ever get offered like sexual favors for nitrous? Never. Not once. Never? I know, you think like at least a few times, but yeah, no. Damn. Yeah, we always talk about how thick that would be, but yeah, nitrous is mostly done by 40-year-olds with kids at home with a babysitter. So they're delaying driving a drunk home back to their a- asshole kids by, you know, sitting in the parking lot, sucking down a couple balloons for an hour in the lot after the show, and that's all it is. It's just old people who don't go to after hours anymore. Not exactly the Playboy Mansion. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, you know, we got a few clubs that are owned by the God Fatty with plenty of girls. So, you know, we do okay elsewhere. But, you know, it's work. This is, you know, the lot. That's fun for you. That's fun for all you fish fans. But for us, that's business, baby. That's work. That's all business. Yeah. No, we can tell. We can tell. Yeah. Business, baby. Business is good. We're serving the freshest things in our life, baby. That's, that's, that's the only thing I'm worried about. Making money. And
0: running from the cops,
1: baby. So, Larry, is it possible that you can come back, like, soon with the God Fatty? I think so. Very soon. Yeah, that, that'll be really cool. Or it'll be how I die. But uh, one or the other, for sure. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, you'll probably be okay. I'm shocked he's into it because he doesn't do press. But he knows us nitrous mafia have a bit of a reputation. Maybe he wants your listeners to know that we are... Kind and caring people. I'm sorry. Did you take one of these balloons? Hey you, you just take one of my balloons. Where's my ten dollars, punk? Uh, that's... Oh, Larry, that's where's Marco my money, me. asshole? He works here. Like
0: that, huh? Where's my fucking oh, no. money, huh? Did, sorry, give me my I fucking money, need, you little I did, bitch! I didn't need to. T- I have hey, the money. Hey, 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 he, he, Larry! Ow. No, no, no.
1: Here, here, take your oh. ten dollars. Take the, take this. $10 thank you. Right thank here. you. No deals. Jesus. I'm, so, I'm
0: sorry, Larry. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right, Marco. They're pretty fresh now, huh? I yeah, that's right. If yes, they are, baby. Yeah. So anyway, I'm a
1: people person, and that's the thing. I think you know the fatty just wants to come out here and talk about, you know, that we, you know, we're not just drug dealers, you know, we're not just businessmen, you know, we're
0: people too.
1: So he probably wants to talk about that or something. I don't know. But well, I w- I'd be very excited to have you both here as soon as possible. So definitely reach out and, and let's make that happen. We will, we will flip on the mic at any point at any moment that he decides he will come here and let us interview him absolutely absolutely above the dave whatever i love it here i love the law Theme podcast i love you fans listening hey hey listen hey marco come here marco come here tell the tell the hit the listeners with the with the catchphrase
0: if it ain't from larry it's it's gotta be scary (laughs) that's right baby that's right you don't wanna do that it's gonna be scary if you don't get ice cold larry baby (laughs) that
1: all right ladies and gentlemen Give it up for Ice Cold Larry.
0: Alright, who wants balloons? Anybody? Cash only. Don't try to do none of this debit stuff. Okay? I'm thinking of this Venmo talk. Okay? I ain't doing Venmo.
1: Alright. Cash. Alright, see you later, Larry. Alright, and coming up next is another performance from our house band, Cobalt Blue. Our British Disco Biscuits cover band are back, and today, They are going to be giving us their rendition of the song Concrete. So now I'm going to pass it over. Everybody, it's Cobalt Blue.
0: What if I was in your dream? Maybe you'd believe. Maybe it would be real to me fantasies when you deserve it all And I'd buy and you make me wait Just grab your hand and say I don't mind if I have to set it away Got diamonds on my tape Skin off my tape Feels good so much the soul flows Like I said we flow I don't mind I don't mind when you turn and walk away More self out of control Yourself is out of control. Oh, oh, oh. Witness what no one sees. Your laziness as you fall apart on the sidelines. As the rain will fall on power lines. This freaking out and disposing, and I think I witnessed miracles from sipping on your potion. The words are gobbled like alphabet soup, served by an image of your mother dressed in last night's clothes, covered in a big white smile. I don't mind. No, I don't mind when you.
1: Nice stuff. Really nice stuff coming out of our boys from the UK. So thank you, Cobalt Blue, for your vision. All right. Next up on the podcast, we have a very exciting up-and-coming jam band that are making lots of waves. Hailing from Asbury Park, New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Dogs in a Pile. Oh, what? Oh, uh, no. Uh. Oh, man. Uh oh, no. That is not. Uh, damn, I should have seen this one coming. Fuck. Oh, they are really cute,
0: though. Hey, how you doing? How you doing, little boy? How you doing? Oh, who we have here. You got a little man? Oh, look at this guy. Hey, you're a friend of mine. You're a friend of mine. <laughs> you're a friend of mine. Yeah,
1: we're friends. Seriously, though, where's Vinny? Can you get Vinny in here?
0: Hey, Marco, can you get Vinny? Oh, who do we have? Look at all these good boys. We got a lot of good boys and good girls. Some good friends. Are you my friend?
1: Yeah. We got some fluffy friends. Yeah. You're not the band that I wanted at all. No, you're not. Get hey, hey hey hey. All right, get down, get down. Hey, oh, oh good boys, good boys, come on, good boys only. Oh yeah. No, you're not the band I want
0: to talk to. You sure how cute? You sure how cute? <laughs> yeah, guys, where's Vinny?
1: Hey, boss, boss, boss. Vinny. Boss, I know. Adorable, but come on, man. That's not what we talked about, right? What are we, we said? Bands, you know? Did you, did you even think about it? I'm so sorry, boss. You know, I've just got a lot going on in my, on my plate right now. Do you, do you, Vinny? Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm still, I'm still pretty upset about the whole Yankees situation. Like that baseball? The team don't do shit this playoffs. Vinny, that is not a good excuse. Listen, boss, I know I I'm, and I listen, the, the minute the fucking dog showed up, I he said, Vinny, you fucked up. You you did. You did.
0: Hey, who's a who's a brother? Who's a brother?
1: Yeah, you did, Vinny. Boss, but I know listen, I've already contacted the actual fucking dogs in a pile. They're here, they're in the fucking back now. Oh, you did? yeah 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 i knew i fucked up earlier today when i had all the fucking dogs here and i said all right i know a lot of guys in jersey so you know i reached out i got a red right out of here, right in the green room for you though anytime you need them oh that's great news vinny
0: great news vinny. tell vinny that's good news yeah yeah thank you
1: vinny. hey no problem boss no problem you want me to get rid
0: of these dogs oh this pile of dogs is right here yeah yeah um
1: yeah i guess so all right. all yeah, right. you can take the dogs. All right, you sleazy fucking mutts. Hey, don't, 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 huh? all right, handsome boys. Hey, it's much better. Come on, handsome boys, let's go. Let's go. Wee. all right, all right. Come on. Let's go, handsome boys. All right, and Benny, you're gonna bring out the actual dogs in a pile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go get them right now.
0: Hey, you fucking dogs, in the fucking pile. Ayo. Hey, oh, hey, dog. Hey, hey, oh. Hey, you Jersey fucks. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, you fucking dogs in a fucking pile. He needs you out there.
1: Thank you, Vinny. Let's give a warm welcome to the actual dogs in a pile.
0: Hey. Hey,
1: man. What's up, guys? Yo. What's up? Yo, yo, what's up, my cool, all man? All right, cool, cool, cool. cool yeah, yeah all nice, right, dude. what's up, cool. guys? Yeah, 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 guys, cool. All right, dogs in a pile here live in the studio. Yeah, dude, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. I'm sort of a product of Jersey myself from the uh, the English town right. area, Jersey, the boss Springsteen area. So I know about Asbury Park, of course. Awesome, yeah, Eddie, dude, the boss, exact. cool. Yeah, Jersey's cool. It's all right, yeah. It's okay. I think people from Jersey are pretty cool. I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. I think if you are from New Jersey, then you're probably pretty rad, despite you know the whole Jersey Shore thing. New Jersey people are just cool. Good, good musicians come out of Jersey too. Yeah, dude. Yeah, we're cool. cool. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, we met in high school here in Jersey. We've been longtime friends. Yeah, dude. I met him through Berkeley, and he's from Berkeley too. And he's from Berkeley. Oh, we got some Berkeley dudes, smart guys. We got a whole bunch of smart, cool dudes here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you guys are definitely getting some heat lately. What are you guys trying to accomplish on stage? We want people to have a good time, and just kind of escape into some, you know, psychedelic rock. I mean, that's that's what we do. Yeah, Yeah, we're just trying to make sure people dance and boogie. Yeah, we just want you to kick back, relax, don't think about the tough times, and just, like, relax and have a good time to some... Classic Americana rock. Yeah, man, we got like our roots deeply planted in like improvisation and jazz, but like you know, we just also try to like make our own unique sound. Totally, 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 guys. Yeah, what do you what do you think sets you guys apart from all the other jam bands? Oh man, I don't. <laughs> you know, we're all about love and spreading love and spreading good vibes. I mean, pretty much what he said. I mean we're we're out there we're just trying to connect with people on a spiritual level, a musical level and, you know, an improvisational level. I mean, that's why people really dig us. You know, we're just five guys who've come together to try and make something really special and we think we and we've created a community and a movement of people who are looking for that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think you can hear it through our music and through our songwriting that we're just a bunch of guys looking to have a good time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, I was getting that. Yeah, we're just here to party and throw down. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, mostly we're just making music to just kind of kick it to and relax. Well, you know, we're not here to bring you down. We're here to bring you up and surround you with love and light. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. It's making good music for the people. Sure, sure. And also we play The Grateful Dead. Joe, everybody plays The Grateful Dead. Yes. And we also do. That doesn't really make us different though. But we play it really well. Yeah, we're sick. Yeah, we're really yeah, we're really good musicians. Totally. I'm getting that. I am getting that you guys are really good musicians. Yeah. We're just trying to spread good energy to good people. Vibes. hmm <laughs> Yeah, what do you said about the vibes? Yep. Getting that. And also, um, yeah, we we're all about fusion. We like to fuse stuff, jazz and classical, and uh, rock. Yeah, yeah. What he said. Did anyone mention anything about vibes? We we share. We have good vibes. Yeah. No, you guys, you guys didn't mention that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty much what we're about. Yeah. mm Hmm okay well that's cool guys that's cool i like i like hearing that that sounds that sounds good that sounds that sounds good thanks yeah man thanks cool all right all right guys well thank you so much for coming on the podcast today really good talking with you give it up everybody for dogs in a pile Uh oh that's it that's it um, all right cool all right thanks about the day all right man awesome hey. come check us out oh yeah you guys gonna be on the road or whatever we're always on the road spreading good vibes and looking for people with good energy all right yeah check them out see it's and they're coming to a town near you dogs in a pile everybody get you little ball awesome all right Bye, dude. all right man mm-hmm. all right guys <laughs> hey benny benny yeah boss that was a pretty quick interview there, boss. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, they seem like nice guys. Yeah, yeah, they seem like good fellas. <laughs> I said good fellas. He <laughs> did. He did. That was pretty cool. It's just that, I don't know. I kind of preferred the other dogs in the pile, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, yeah? It, are they still here? Do you got the other dogs in the pile? They're in their pens in the back. Can you let them back out? Sure, boss. I got you.
0: Hey, you fucking dogs in a fucking pile.
1: Get the fuck out. Here we
0: go. Hey. There they are. There they are, you good boys. Oh, look at this one.
1: Oh my, what a man Who's this guy? Oh my God. Look at her. Oh, look at her. Oh, get in the bed. Who wants to? Who wants the to- baby bums? Oh, look at these boys. Oh, you boys. Oh, who's this mister? Who's this mister? Who's this mister? Fluffy.
0: Who's this Fluffy <laughs> man? Oh, look at this. Oh, yeah. There's a good boy right here. There's a good boy. Oh, yeah. What a what a, what
1: a, a bunch of cuties. Oh, we got some handsome, handsome boys here. All right, everybody. That's been another episode of the Lot Scene Podcast. I've been your host, Above the Dave. I'm going to go play with these dogs. I want to thank our guests. Ice Cold Larry, and the band Dogs in a Pile for coming into the studio today. Next week, I'm going to be talking about my favorite jam bands of yesteryear. That's right, some of the jam bands that I love from the 90s and the 2000s that really aren't around anymore at all or too much. After that, we are going to talk to The Dicks Streaker. Over the Dick's Run, there was the infamous rain delay, followed by a monster one-set show by Fish. However, during that rain delay, a now-infamous guy streaked onto the field, and he is here to speak with us. And then finally next week, and we are so frickin' pumped, because we have the legend, Bob Weir, along with is BFF, John Mayer, in the studio to chat with us about their upcoming final Dead & Company tour. So thank you so much for... Uh, oh, hey, I need any of these pups want any balloons? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think any of the dogs are wanting balloons, so... Okay, okay. So thank you so much for tuning in once again. I've been your host Above the Dave, and this has been another episode of...
0: The Lord